Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Great, thank you, Richard. Brilliant. Well, good morning, everyone. I was going to say, for the people that don't know me, I'm Dan, and I realised last night that I say that every time, and I realised my name's Dan for the people that do know me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Dan. (laughs) Um, Great. So um, this morning we're talking about the importance of gathering together. Um, Hopefully that's not a surprise. Um, And um, I'm going to just set my stall up right straight at the beginning. I love gathering. I absolutely love gathering. Anyone that's been around me knows that. Um, I was brought up in a church on the south coast. Um, I spent years gathering from like groups of like five up to 300, around 350. That was the size of our church when I left. And then youth meetings with like 1,200 people in sports halls, which were just incredible. Um, I remember going to the beach green near where I live and there being 8,000 people gathered to worship together. And, um, and then in the 90s, I don't know if any of you went to this, but Gerald Coates and Noel Richards organised an event at Wembley Stadium and there were 50,000 to 60,000 Christians gathered. And I just remember standing there and just being like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love being, I love gathering. And then in a couple of weeks' time, me, me and the family are going to be down on the south coast again. It doesn't all have to be on the south coast, by the way. You can gather in other places. Um, but we're going to be gathering with about 30,000 Christians at wildfires and then big church day out. And I just love gathering. I just love being with the people of God and um, spending time with the people of God. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. And so that's, that's where I'm coming from, just laying that out now. Um, but so I want to just bring some clarity for people who maybe are, are new to us. Um, so when we talk about uh, the church, we quite often will say, when we, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. On, do you go to church on Sunday? I go to church on Sunday. Do you go to church on Sunday? And, and we know what we mean by that. But we also understand that church is not a building, don't we? We understand that the church is not a building. It's not a meeting. The church is the people of God. Um, and that is a, that's not just us in this room. That is the people of God worldwide. The believers of Jesus, that believe in Jesus Christ, we are the church. And um, so that's what we mean when we say the church. And so this morning I'm going to be talking about the gathering of the people of God, and specifically talking about the gathering of the church when we're kind of talking in our local area, because it's a part, being part of the local church, that is where God works out things, that is where God, people are discipled, that's where we are commissioned, that's where we change our local area, 
that's where we, we as individuals are brought to maturity is within the local church and gathering of the local church. So, as I said, I'm passionate about gatherings. But I need to be honest, in over 30 years, really, come on, in over 30 years of being a Christian, I've never felt that gathering is more important than I do right now. And there is a thought going around that says gathering is not important, that you don't have to gather, that it's not actually that important. And, you know, this is also coupled with our society that we live in. It's a very individualistic society. And, and so I have had more conversations over the last probably five to seven years with people who've said, I, I don't, I, we don't need to gather. It's not as important. It's not important. It's not vital. And, you know, COVID came and it affected our gatherings. But I don't believe COVID's not caused this, this idea. COVID's just accelerated it. And there are people that are, are not here today that were in that place wrestling beforehand. And actually, two years of COVID just meant they could break free from that and just make that decision. But it's not like COVID didn't come along and change people's minds. It just, I just believe it accelerated some, the way people were thinking. It's a lie of the enemy that gathering is not important. It's a, it's a lie. Gathering is absolutely vital. It's critical to us as individuals. And it's critical to us as the body of Christ. So Hebrews 10, which Richard just read out and Karen has already mentioned to the kids. I'm just going to read verses 23, 25. This is Richard was in the NIV. This is in the New Living Translation. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So some context so Hebrews is different. This is in Hebrews. Hebrews is different to many of the other books in the New Testament. Many of the other books were written by Paul or by Peter or by John. This, this book, was we don't know who wrote it. We're not entirely sure. And we're not entirely sure exactly who it was written to. Like When you read like you know, Paul's books, it's, oh, this is to the church in Ephesus, Paul says. But there's nothing in Hebrews that says exactly who it's to. But we know it was written to the Jewish Christians. And the Jewish Christians were undergoing persecution. They were undergoing persecution from fellow Jews, and they were undergoing persecution from the Romans. And so this book comes to reassure them in their faith, to reassure them that what they believe is true, and to reassure them that Jesus is the Messiah. And if you read back, it tells it all about how Jesus has come and how he has saved us, and how the sacrifice, we don't need to do sacrifices anymore, praise God, but because Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all. That's the context that this book comes. It comes to a people that are under pressure, and it's a reassurance to them. It comes to reassure them about their faith, and it comes to tell them to hold firm. So this is the context of this verse. This verse is not designed to persuade you to come to meetings. It's not designed to say, if you don't come to a meeting, you are not a Christian. 
It is designed to encourage you and to strengthen you and to say, this is how you can be strengthened in your faith. It is to show us that God uses our times together to hold us, to help us hold tightly to that firm, that hope that we uh, affirm. And the Jewish people understood what it was to gather. If you read the Old Testament, there is loads of examples of how the Jewish people gathered. They gathered at the temple weekly. They gathered for various festivals. They gathered around Sabbath weekly. They gathered for Passover. They gathered for um, numerous other festivals. And the, the Old Testament is full of examples of how they gathered. It was in their being to gather It wasn't just like some new thing that they needed to do. They understood what it was to gather. They understood the purpose to gather. And now, in the midst of persecution, when things are going tough, the writer to the Hebrews says, don't give up. Don't give up. Or as the English Standard Version, the New Living say, don't neglect. Now, it's interesting. The word that's used here for neglect means to deliberately abandon, to leave behind, to, to, yeah, to deliberately abandon. It's the same word that Jesus uses on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's that level of laying it down. It's that level of abandonment. So we're not talking this morning about missing a Sunday morning because you went on holiday. It's okay if you're watching this on catch-up. A member of the leadership team will not be at your door (laughs) asking where you were. We're not talking about missing this because you were ill or you're caring for someone. We know, don't we, that there are, in these times, there have been people that have struggled to come back together because of their mental health or because they're scared um, to do with COVID. This verse is not condemning you. If that's you, this verse is not to condemn you. Okay? So please don't take it as that. Because we know you haven't, like, abandoned gathering. It's just there's something that's just you're struggling with. And we want to work with you and pray with you and support you. And the church is here for you in that. This is the, this is the attitude of deliberately abandoning and prioritizing something else, constantly disregarding the importance of it. You know, the value you give to something is often shown in where you put your time and you put your effort. If you come to my house, you will notice straight away that I have no value for gardening. (laughs) And anyone that's been to my house will know that. Like, like, literally, the front is just... I mean, I need to sort it out, but... um, (laughs) I'm feeling condemned as I speak. Uh, (laughs) But uh, there's also a toilet in the front garden, but that's a difference. That's that's my not wanting to pay Kirklees to take it away. That's that's my uh, becoming more like a Yorkshireman. Uh, But you will not, yeah. You will, if you come to my house, you will know that. See that I don't hold that much value for gardening. I do mow the lawn occasionally, but I don't hold much value, and so it gets neglected. It gets overgrown. It gets worse, and then like even to mow the lawn is just a massive thing because it's just overgrown. It just builds and it builds and it builds. Where you put your time will be shown. 
in, in what you value. So we're going to take a quick look at an old example. We've talked about the Jews and how this was written to the Jews. And I just want to talk, give a couple of examples from the Old Testament of this. Now, there are numerous times, I've been reading through the Old Testament recently, and, and I've noticed a pattern. There are numerous times where the Old Testament leaders will gather all the Israelites. It says they gathered the whole of Israel. Now, that's a lot of people. They, it says they gathered the whole of Israel. Moses does it. Joshua does it. Samuel does it. David does it. It goes on and on. And there are numerous times where they gather the whole of Israel. So... Deuteronomy 29. Let's just take a quick look. If you want to turn it's going to appear on the screen. Deuteronomy 29. This, I'm going to read verses 2 and 3 and then jump down. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, You have seen with your own eyes everything the Lord did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his whole country. All the great tests of strength, the miraculous signs, and the amazing wonders. Then jump down well. It's like a ten, wasn't it? All of you, tribal leaders, elders, officers, all the men of Israel, all are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God. Your little ones and your wives are with you, as well as the foreigners living among you to chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here today to enter into the covenant of the Lord your God. The Lord is making this covenant, including the curses. By entering into the covenant today, he will establish you as his people and confirm that he is your God, just as he promised you and he swore to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this, this kind of speak this kind of address it happens several times Moses does it here this is in Deuteronomy 29 just before he dies it's like his last address to the Israelites Joshua does it in a couple of places also instantly just before he dies as does Samuel it's obviously something that's really important to them is to gather the Israelites and tell them these things so what what does he say to them well he says to them he first thing he does is he reminds them who God is and what he has done. If you actually read the whole of Deuteronomy and, and, and other passages, it goes through like the whole story of Israel to remind them of their whole journey with God, who God is, and what he has done for them. It then reminds them of who they are. You are my children. You are entering into a covenant with me. And then he calls them to enter in and to work out their covenant. Now, in the Old Testament, they did this through the Levitical law, the lives they lead, and the worship they brought. In that case, yeah, the Levitical law. But in our case, we, we come and we come before God. And when we come together, we worship and we lay ourselves before Jesus as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is a chance to reset in the busyness and the noise of the world. They call Israel together to reset in the noise and the busyness. Now, can we, as individuals, hear God? Yeah, absolutely. We should be every day speaking to God, praying to God, worshipping, spending time in his presence. Do we need to spend time uh, in a quiet place? Yes. Do we need to spend time in the Word? Yes, absolutely. So I'm not saying that gathering is more important than 
your time yourself with Jesus. It's not an and, it's not an or situation, sorry. It's a both and situation. But when we come together, we hear God clearly. There is clarity and there is witness. You know, the serpent got to Eve because she was alone. It wasn't because she was a woman. It was because she was on her own. And the enemy just came in and just whispered those words. Are you sure that God said that? When we come together, there is clarity and there is witness. It's a chance to recalibrate. I was chatting to someone the other day and they said they were here on a Sunday morning and they were going through some stuff and then God, in the middle of the worship, through the words of the song, just spoke something to them that not only helped them in that moment but then prepared them for the circumstances that happened that week. They said that, like, I literally chatted to them and said, they said, this has happened in my life today but I can see how God prepared me on Sunday for it. (laughs) We hear together and we respond together commissioned to go out and it's not just about gathering because this goes alongside that verse into verse 24 motivating one another towards acts of love and good works so here's the question we always ask when we leave was today a good meeting (laughs) here's how i think we should think about it was i reminded this morning who god was You know, it could be a brand new revelation, like, wow. Or it could just be that, oh, yeah, God reminded me that he's my healer. He reminded me he's my father. Were you reminded who you were? Have we been reminded this morning that we are children of God? We're no longer slaves to sin. We're set free. We're a royal priesthood. And have we had a chance this morning to respond to his call to be in covenant relationship with him? Have we had a chance to worship, to declare his lordship in in our lives, to lay things before him? If these things are true, then we've done what we came for. And maybe if these things aren't true for you, we need to consider our perspective. Because we all encounter God. We can be in an encounter with God, and yet the way we perceive things can be different. The other day, me and Josiah were on the motorway to Manchester, and it was raining, and all I could see while I'm driving was the rain, the wipers, and like the truck in front of me. And I'm just like, try, you know, trying to concentrate. And meanwhile, in the back, Dad, there's a tractor, there's a cow, there's a truck. Oh, look at that car. Like, I've got no idea where any of these things were, what he saw, but he was so excited for like half an hour, just at everything on the motorway. He's smiling at me over there. Because his perspective was different. We were encountering the same. We were both inside a blue Seat Leon on the M62 going to Manchester in the rain. Our encounter was the same, but what we perceived in that moment was different. And so if, you're, if you come this morning, and you, there's no judgment. But if you come this morning, going, I've, not, I've not really heard about God, heard God this morning. Or I don't really know anything about me. Or I'm really struggling to worship him. Then maybe we just you just need to recalibrate. There can be things that can affect how you perceive our times together. It can be your expectation for what you expected. I want it to be like last week. I want it to be like ten years ago, twenty I want it to be like that meeting I went to in nineteen ninety-three and it can be fatigue. It can be problems with a brother or sister. 
the word's really clear about sorting out relationships before you come together. It can be sin that's getting in the way. There's kind of two things I find that happens with, with that. One thing is that you come and, and, and there's something that's blocking and, and you come and you just stand there and you don't experience God and you're just like, I'm just going to stand here. Nope, because the sin's blocking it. But on the other hand, sometimes you come and your heart's beating because God's speaking and he's dealing with that thing there. He deals with it in different ways, but, but just, yeah, when you come, just lay those things at the cross. Expect to be changed, expect to be transformed. So this morning, I invite you to give yourself to the gathering of God's people. Whether it be Sundays, hubs, space, well, any other times that we gather, I invite you to give yourself to it. To prioritize our times together. This is not just a meeting. This is not just a bunch of people meeting up to hang out. This is times of transformation and being commissioned to transform our world. So I invite you to prioritize our gathering. One thing I love, this isn't my note, one thing I love in here is it says, your little ones and your wives are with you. It's a family affair. I am convinced the reason I am stood here today like this is because my parents prioritized the gathering. And it's tough, and there were things I wanted to do as a kid, but I am absolutely convinced the reason I'm stood here like this, with my faith where it is today, is because my parents prioritized being part of a local church, getting stuck in and gathering with them. So I encourage you this morning to do that. We're going to worship. We're going to give ourselves to that. And then in a minute, we're going to get to see what these kids have done. But let's worship. Just before we worship, I just want to do something. I want to pray. I turned this morning to a scripture that Dan and I talked about when we talked about gathering. It's in Genesis 29. It's where Jacob meets Rachel. And when he comes, he says to the shepherds, roll the stone away so the, so the sheep can be watered. And at one point he says this, just, just water them quickly then take them back to pasture. But the, the shepherd said this, we can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. I am convinced that there is a dynamic of the Holy Spirit. We prayed, we sang earlier, let your glory fill this house. There's a dynamic of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit that can only come when we're gathered corporately together as the house of God. Think of Pentecost. Think of the verse that Paul says in Corinthians, we've all been baptized by one spirit into one body and we've all been given one spirit to drink. It's a corporate gathered thing. There's an aspect and a dynamic of the spirit that you can only get when we're gathered together. But they said, roll the stone away and then as we're gathered, we can water the sheep. Can you all stand, please, as we come into this song? I said, uh, this was a significant word that Dan has brought this morning from his heart. Yeah. 
And I just want to pray before we sing, and I pray as we sing that we would experience a dynamic presence and a pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon us. But I want to roll the stone away in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Christ. I roll away the stone for those who are, and there's no condemnation for those who are suffering with mental health. Lord, we roll that stone away. For those who believed a lie of the enemy, Lord, we roll that stone away. For those who are struggling with sickness, we roll that stone away that the sheep may be gathered and be watered. For those, Lord, who've been affected by the spirit of the age, of the individualism and the independence of our age, Lord, we roll that stone away in the name of Jesus that we would see the value of the gathered community and the experience of the Holy Spirit that we get together corporately. Right now, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us all afresh as your people, as your house, in the name of Jesus.